welcome to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina. Our goal is to exalt the Savior, evangelize the sinner, and encourage the saint through faithful exposition of God's Word. As you're finding your way to Nehemiah chapter 2, Nehemiah chapter 2, it's our uh, practice here, our regular practice here to just take a book of the Bible, begin in chapter 1 and verse 1, and just work our way through that text. And so we do that again this morning, picking up in Nehemiah chapter 2. We've entitled the series in Nehemiah, Against All Odds. As Nehemiah begins to take on a project that is so much bigger than he is, we understand that he is facing insurmountable odds, but he has a a God on his side that is a supernatural God that does exceedingly abundantly above all Nehemiah could even ask or think. And so as we walk through this passage this morning, I want to preach specifically on this subject. In due time. In due time, many of you may be sitting here this morning. You've got a prayer request that you have been praying for. You've got some situation in your life that you really need God to move in. And you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying. And I think from the second chapter of Nehemiah this morning, hopefully it will serve as a word of encouragement to you to just keep on praying Keep on petitioning, stay on the firing line for the Lord Jesus and continue to pray and he will answer in his timing. Now, let me give you a little bit of background as we get to Nehemiah chapter two. Several months ago, we went through the book of Ezra and the people of God, they're in the Southern kingdom of Judah, specifically in the city of Jerusalem. They had turned their back on the one true God. They had begun to put God on the back burner. They begun to worship pagan gods and they had turned their back on the one true God. And prophets would come along and tell them that you need to turn and return unto the worship of the one true God. Isaiah was one of those prophets that said, you've got to get this together. You've got to turn back unto the Lord. Jeremiah was another one of those prophets. And Jeremiah said, judgment is coming. If you do not turn back to the Lord, you people of God here in the city of Jerusalem, you are going to face the judgment of God. God revealed to Habakkuk, the other Old Testament prophet, and told Habakkuk that the inhabitants of Jerusalem are going to be overtaken by the Babylonians. And we know that's ultimately what happened. The Babylonians came into Jerusalem. They devastated the city. They left the temple in ruins. They left the walls of the city in ruins. And the city of Jerusalem and the people of Jerusalem were completely decimated by the Babylonians. The Babylonians then took the Jewish people into exile there in Babylon for some 70 years. Now, during those 70 years, there was a prophet by the name of Ezekiel that was a street preacher, if you will, for those 70 years that they were in Babylon. 
The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego happens during those 70 years. The story of Daniel happens during those 70 years. But they're in exile here in Babylon. And the Babylonians are overthrown by the Persians. And there's a new king by the name of Cyrus. And Cyrus allows the people of God who are in exile to go back to Jerusalem and to begin to rebuild their temple. We read through the book of Ezra in the first six chapters that Zerubbabel led the first wave of people back into Jerusalem and they rebuilt the temple. And then Ezra made his way back. And Ezra helped them to enjoy revival and restoration. He reinstituted proper temple worship and God was moving again there in his people. And then we come to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is the cupbearer for the king of Persia. And his brothers come by to see him. And Nehemiah says, how's it going over in Jerusalem? How's my brethren doing over in Jerusalem? And the story is a sad story. That things are still not good in Jerusalem. The walls are still down. The gates have been burned with fire. And Nehemiah hears the report of the condition of his people and it drives him to tears. He then begins to fast and he begins to pray for those people that he dearly loved. And this morning we're going to see him make his way to a pagan king, Artaxerxes. And he goes to this pagan king and he's going to make a request that he can go back to Jerusalem and take on the task of rebuilding the walls. Now, by application, let me just say this. For those of us that are born again, blood-bought believers, we're here in church on a Sunday morning honoring our moms and honoring the Lord. We take a look at the condition of our culture. And it is in crumbles. The culture has been decimated by sin. And it should cause us to do the same thing that it caused Nehemiah to do. He began to weep over their situation. He began to fast and he began to pray. But then he got busy doing something. And that's where we will pick up this morning. Nehemiah has finished his prayer and he's going to go to the king and he's going to request permission to go back and the king's going to say this to him, whatever you want, you just tell me what it is you need. That's a minor miracle in and of itself. But we're going to learn a lot about the character of Nehemiah. Think about this. A king has just stood in front of Nehemiah and said, Anything you want, you got it. Well, the things that Nehemiah asks for is going to reveal his, his true heart and his character. Because I don't know about you, but if a king that had, the, the, had access to everything said, well, tell me what you want, I might be inclined to ask for some things for myself. But oh, we got a spiritual crowd here this morning on Mother's Day, I see. I know what some of you guys would say. 
You can have anything you want. I know what some of you guys would say, man, I need a brand new pickup truck with a fishing boat attached to the back of it. Well, that ain't enough, is it? And a lake house with a covered dock. What else do you want, guys? What's that? He wants a scratch golf game. I don't think the Lord could do that, brother. I know he can do a lot, but I've seen, no, I'm kidding. So we're going to learn about Nehemiah's character, but here's the other thing we're going to learn, and it goes back to the title of our message, that in due time, God will and God does answer. So let's stand together and read beginning in chapter two of the book of Nehemiah. If you're there, would you say amen? It came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. So Nehemiah's just doing his job as the cupbearer. And the king notices something. And the king said unto me, why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Nehemiah says, then I was very, I was sore afraid. And the king said, let the king, and, and, and I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers lieth waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? Then the king said unto me, for what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said unto the king, if it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, thou would send me to Judah under the city of my father's sepulchers that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, for how long shall thy journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. Moreover, I said to the king, if it please the king, let letters be given to me to the governors beyond the river that I can convey me over till I come into Judah. And a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make the beams for the gates of the palace which appertain to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God. Upon me. Don't miss that in verse 8. The king granted me according to who? The good hand of my God. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we walk through this passage today, Holy Spirit, you be our teacher, challenge us and change us through the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I recently heard about a Wren High School senior who was taking one of his final exams. And he was really nervous about taking this exam and he just continuously and constantly prayed, Lord, would you help me through this exam? God, would you help me through this exam? Lord, would you help me to answer the questions on this exam with the right answers? And as he took the exam, he continued to pray. And as he walked to the front of the classroom to turn the exam in, the teacher gave him a piece of paper to sign that had a pledge on it. And that pledge said this, I did not receive any outside help on my 
exam. Well, he was a little hesitant because he thought, well, you know what? I did ask the Lord to help me. And so I don't know that I should sign this because I did have some outside help. I did ask God to help me. And so he told his teacher, he said, well, I did have some help. And she said, well, where did you get help from? He said, well, I prayed and asked God if he would help me. And she said, well, let me see your exam. She glanced over his exam and then she handed him that pledge and said, you can sign this pledge with a clear conscience. Because <laughs> God didn't help you at all on this exam. <laughs> Nehemiah is asking for some help. And he's going to a pagan king for that help, but we're going to realize that the king of kings is really the one writing this story. Because the sovereign hand of God is all over this story. And so if you're taking notes, number one, I see the recognition of the sovereign. The recognition of the sovereign. Now, if you've heard me preach for any period of time, you've heard me refer to the hand behind the headlines. That God is always writing a story and the story that he writes is always for your good and for his glory. And so whatever it is that you're walking through this morning, God has either authored it or allowed it and it is for his good. And as we look at the story of Nehemiah, we're going to see God's fingerprints all over this thing. Now, the hard part about it is, is when we're walking through those times, we don't often see God's fingerprints all over it. And sometimes we have to get through it. And then we look back and we go, ah, I see what was happening here now. But the story of Nehemiah has a greater author than Nehemiah himself. It is none other than God Almighty, the King of Kings, that is writing this story. And the same one that wrote Nehemiah's story is the same one that is writing your story. And as we consider the recognition of the sovereign, I notice a few things. Number one, there was a season of prayer. There was a season of prayer. Look at chapter two and verse one again. And it came to pass in the month of Nisan. Now that month would be if we, if we liken it to our calendar about April. Now go back and look at chapter one and verse one. When Nehemiah got the news about the condition of his people there in Jerusalem, it was the month of Chisleu, which was November, December timeframe. So he gets this news. I'll use, I'll, I'll, I'll use the current calendar that we use, he gets this news in December about how difficult things are in Jerusalem. And for four months, he fasts, he prays that God would do something in this situation and for his people. Four months he prayed. Now, many of us, when we pray, we're looking for an answer when? Right now, we live in a culture of instant coffee and instant credit. We can get anything at the drop of a hat. We've got information at the tips of our fingers and, and we can get anything we want in the drop of a hat. And what God is going to teach us through this is in due time, he will answer and we must stay in a constant posture of prayer as he is working out the things behind the headlines. And during that time of prayer, here's what happens. God's, God begins to align our desires with his desires. It's that waiting time of praying 
that often molds us and makes us. Now, we can't stand to wait. But when our desires get aligned with the desires of the King of Kings, God's doing something inside of our hearts. During these four months, Nehemiah's just doing his job. He's the cupbearer for the king. And so while he's doing his job, he is staying in a posture of constant and consistent prayer. And so it may be that you're waiting on an answer. It may be that it's been months that you've been praying. I'd encourage you to just keep praying and allow God to keep aligning your heart with his because in due time he does answer. There's the season of prayer. But then secondly, there was a sadness perceived. Now, Nehemiah, go there with me to this palace. Here's King Artaxerxes. Nehemiah has made his way in and he's just doing his job as the cupbearer to the king. And the king says, Nehemiah, what's wrong with you, man? I mean, if I, that's what he would have said in Piedmont, right? What's going on, man? What's up? You look like you're pretty sad and you're not sick. So what's wrong with you? And he says, this is nothing else in verse two, but, but sorrow of heart. Now it was a dangerous thing for Nehemiah to be melancholy in front of the king because everybody was supposed to be happy in the king's presence. He was risking demotion and possibly even death by his countenance being so saddened. Commentators have suggested that maybe this was the day that Nehemiah just determined he's going to have that sorrowful look on his face so that the king would notice. Some have said maybe it was the four months of fasting and praying that were beginning to show up on his countenance. Others even suggested that the sadness in Nehemiah's face was a result of the great sorrow that he had for his people. But regardless of why and how, we know this, the king noticed it. And when he noticed it, Nehemiah says, I was sore afraid. Now we know that God is working this out in his perfect timing, allowing Nehemiah's sadness to be seen at that very moment. And most kings were unconcerned with the well-being and the welfare of those that worked with them. But God has taken a pagan king and put a concern in his heart for Nehemiah. So much so that the king would say, hey, Nehemiah, what you so sad about? There's a season of prayer. There was a sadness perceived. But then there's the source of pain. Nehemiah is going to answer the king's question. Nehemiah, what's wrong with you, man? Why are you so sad? And Nehemiah essentially says this. I'm overcome with sadness for my people. And I ultimately need you, King, to change your foreign policy. Because in Ezra chapter 4, this same king put a stop to the work that was happening on the temple. He had been pressured by some of the enemies of the people of God, and he just shut it down. And here's Nehemiah, who says, my, the land where my father's sepulchers are, 
It's in disrepair. It's a mess. And I need to go back and make a difference. Nehemiah, as I said a few moments ago, saw how desperate his people were. And it moved him not only to fast and pray, but to action. This season of prayer, the sadness that was perceived and the source of his pain are all a product of God writing this story for an outcome that Nehemiah, at this point, could never comprehend. I mean, what's about to happen is a miracle in and of itself. So let's continue. First of all, there's the recognition of the sovereign, but then there's the request from the servant. So Nehemiah is in front of the king. And the king looks at Nehemiah and essentially says, what do you want, Nehemiah? God's given him favor with the king. James would say it this way, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Hey, Nehemiah's prayers are are causing the, the wheels to move. And now this king has stood before him and said, what do you want, Nehemiah? Whatever you need, I'm here. Notice a couple of things with me about this request. Notice, first of all, the prayer before the request. Look at verse four. Look at verse four here. Then the king said unto me, for what dost thou make request? Now look at the last part of this verse. Now go there with me to this palace. All right, Jordan, you're going to be King Artaxerxes, okay? I'm standing in front of the king. He says, what do you want? And I just prayed to the God of heaven. I would say a couple things about this prayer. It was a spontaneous prayer. I mean, he's standing right in front of the king, says, what you want? And I bet Nehemiah said, Lord, give me the right words to say right now. I mean, just just a quick, spontaneous prayer. Now listen, when you walk like Nehemiah walked and you live in a posture of constant and consistent prayer, you can get a spontaneous prayer through. But for most of us, our prayer life is so anemic and so wishy-washy and so in and out, hot and cold, up and down, we'd have to take a little while to get confessed up before we could get a prayer through. That's pretty tough on Mother's Day, but don't make it any less true. Amen? (laughs) Tough crowd in here today, brother. So it was a spontaneous prayer. It was also a short prayer. I mean, he's got to get an answer because he's got to tell the king something real quick. One preacher said it this way. Public prayers are the place for short prayers. Private places are the, is the place for a long prayer. He's got he, he, to give the king an answer. And so he immediately, man, this tells me so much about Nehemiah. That he didn't answer even immediately. He just, right quick, Lord. I don't know what that prayer included. But listen, you're going to face some situations this coming week where you've got to make a decision or you've got to have a conversation. And man, sometimes just those spontaneous prayers of Lord, here we go. I need you to give me wisdom here. James 1, 5 says you'll give me wisdom and I need it right now. Spontaneous prayer, a short prayer. So, so Nehemiah, before he makes his request, He knows, obviously, that God's working in this situation because the king has just asked him, what does he want? While it was a spontaneous prayer and a short prayer, 
He does make prayer before his request. But then secondly, there's not just a prayer before the request. There is the particulars of the request. What is he going to ask for? Nehemiah needs a commission from the king for a couple of reasons. He needs to, first of all, be released from his position as the cupbearer. He's got a pretty important job. And he needs needs the king to give him and grant him his PTO request. He needs the king to approve his vacation time, if you will. He also needs permission to go through these other provinces. And he's going to need some materials for the task. So essentially, he goes to the king and he says a couple of things. Number one, I need your permission. Number two, I need some provision. I need some timber. I need some stuff to go build this thing because I'm going to build a wall in Jerusalem. Now, the first service was a little slow on the uptake of what I'm about to say. So I want you to lean in and pay very close attention. One preacher said it this way. Jerusalem was going to build a wall and Persia was going to pay for it. (laughs) Maybe it just ain't as funny as I think it is. All right, you go to your boss. Here you go, you just went to your boss. Some of you are a supervisor. Some of you have a supervisor that you report to. And so whether you're the supervisor or the one going to your supervisor, just put yourself in this situation. You go to your boss and you say, here's what I need. I need some time off. How much do you need? 12 years. Not only do I need 12 years off, I need you to pay me my full salary and benefits during that 12 years. I also need a gift, not an advance, not a payroll advance, a gift of about a half a million dollars. And I need to get it before I leave today. And your boss looks at you and says, Granted, you got it. Stop by HR on the way out and sign some paperwork and pick up your check. See you in 12 years. Now, how many of that your boss would approve? Now, I I can tell you what would go through my mind immediately. I shouldn't have asked for half a million. I should have asked for a million. If he's in the the giving mood, I should have asked for all of it. That would never happen. but somebody's writing a story and there's a hand behind the headlines that has worked in the heart of a pagan king to grant Nehemiah something you would have never imagined he would grant Nehemiah. Man, there's some good preaching in here right now. You're praying to God for something that you think is greater. Listen, you've got a, a, a burden. You've got a desire. You've got something that you're praying earnestly about and you're staying in a constant posture and position of prayer and you're going, Lord, when are you going to answer? How are you going to answer? And and it seems like it's been months and months and months and months, Lord. You just hang on and let the one who is the author write the story because when he writes the story, it's better than the way we write the story. And so Nehemiah's request is granted. There's the prayer before the request. There's the particulars of the request. But then there's the pleasing in the request. Look at verse 6. 
The king said to me, the queen also sitting by him, for how long shall thy journey be? And when wilt thou return? And notice this last part. So it pleased the king to send me. Look over at verse eight. Look at the last part of verse eight. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. Not only did the king say yes, not only did the king grant his request, he was grateful to do it. Do you see the hand behind the headlines that is working here? Someone much greater than Nehemiah, someone much more powerful than King Artaxerxes is writing this story. Because in due time, God would answer the request of Nehemiah. And it was according to the good hand of my God upon me. Nehemiah knew who was behind this blessing that he had just received from the king. He knew ultimately it was the king of kings. He knew ultimately that King Artaxerxes was just an agent for his king. The hand behind the headlines was accomplishing what Nehemiah likely thought was absolutely impossible. And it happened in due time. The songwriter said it this way, got any rivers you think are uncrossable? Got any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible. And he can do what no other God can do. And I'd add this to it in due time. There's a couple of applications I want to make here. First of all, Nehemiah saw the plight of his people and he petitioned a king. We can turn the television on, go to the mall, go just about anywhere in public, and we can see and hear that our culture is in a mess. And it is sin-filled and saddening when we see it. And it should do for us the same thing that it did for Nehemiah. Nehemiah got in the presence of the king to petition on behalf of his people. You and I ought to fall on our knees in the presence of the king of kings and make petition for those that Quite honestly, we just do not understand. We would all agree if I made this statement, the culture has gone crazy. But they're just acting like lost people. And they need to hear about Jesus. And before Nehemiah went into the presence of an earthly king, he got into the presence of the heavenly king. So today, why don't we just spend some time as a church family praying for those out there that need to hear. Secondly, 
It could be that you're here today and you're in that season of prayer and God just hadn't answered yet. I mean, you so desire to hear from him. You so desire that he would answer the specific request that you are praying. And it seems that it's been months and months and months. And for some, maybe it's been years and God has not yet answered. Be encouraged by Nehemiah. That he just stayed in a constant, continual place of prayer. It's almost like he understood what Paul said to the church at Thessalonica to pray without ceasing. And I want to encourage you one more time. Just keep praying. Just keep petitioning. Because in due time, He will answer. Finally, you're here this morning. You don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. You don't know that when you stepped out of this life and into the next, where you would spend eternity. You see, you're going to live forever somewhere. It's either heaven or hell and there is no in-between. And the Bible says every one of us is a sinner. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we all deserve death. But the Bible says Jesus commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he died the death that we should have died. He paid the sin debt for you and for me. And today he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I would love an opportunity. We would love an opportunity to talk to you about your eternity. If you don't know where you're spending eternity, in just a moment, when we stand to our feet, I'm going to ask you to come forward, put your hand in mine and just say, Pastor, I need to be saved. We will take the word of God and show you how you can leave today knowing heaven would be your final home. But let me ask you a question in closing. What's that prayer request that weighs heavy on your heart? Maybe this morning you want to find a spot in an altar and just one more time, get in a posture and a position of prayer and ask God to move on behalf of that situation. Could be we need to be praying this morning for our community, for our country, and for the entire world to come to know this man named Jesus. As we stand to our feet, we're going to have a song of invitation. There's some decision you need to make. Now's the time. If you just want to find a spot in an altar and lift your prayer request unto the Lord, you come. Whatsoever he says unto you, do it during these moments. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. If you'd like additional information, please visit mtpisgah.cc.